All right, I think we have a round timer to run. We are here for we are here for spiritual training today, and that round timer is your defense against my going on all day, because I don't have I don't have so many prepared notes for you today. Today we're here to train in a spiritual discipline, and I can pretty much do it right out of here. Um, you may not know it to look at me now, but I used to teach martial arts in a room that had these sorts of paraphernalia in it. And uh, the weird thing about martial arts training is people come to willingly have pain inflicted on them, to inflict it on themselves, to have others inflicted on them, and, and, and you hope maybe to get to inflict a little on someone else every once in a while. But it's all for a purpose. All this uh, having pain inflicted on you in a martial arts school is to reach a goal of some kind. To, to be more fit or to be more disciplined or to feel safer about your abilities if you've gotten a bad spot. So there's all sorts of goals why people come to have pain inflicted on them in a martial arts school, and, but it's all for a goal. And what I want to ask you this morning is, what is your goal? If you had a goal for your life, for the world, a spiritual goal, a personal goal. We just came out of the Christmas season. We're actually still in it, 12 days of Christmas. Um, if you could make a Christmas wish and it would happen, what would it be? Now I'm talking about the big stuff. Would you want to escape from an abusive relationship? Or maybe you would just want to lose weight. Or maybe you want something for the world, world peace, or that we could have a sustainable environment. Or maybe it's something much more personal than that. You just would like to have better behaved children. Or maybe it's a reconciled relationship that you lost. Or to continue your education, to go back to school or advance in your career. Or maybe it's a deeply spiritual goal to have closeness with God and feel that. What would you be? We're coming up on New Year's resolution season, and if you do that sort of thing, or if you did, and, and you thought it was actually going to happen, what would it be? What would your goal be? Would you want to get a job, or would you want to stay home from your job and raise your family, or would you want to retire? Would it be something for the community? Would you like to see racism overcome after all that's gone on in Ferguson is now spreading all over the country? Maybe you would just want friends. Maybe you're a student. You would just want to make good grades this year. Maybe you're a single person. You would want to get married. Or maybe you have a goal of, I would just like to be able to wait patiently on God to pray for something and then not seize control of it right back from him after I turned it over and wait for him to answer my prayer with patience. What would your goal be? What would your goal be? We're going to today talk about the spiritual discipline that can unlock the key to all of these types of things. Anything in your life, this spiritual discipline, which is often not taught in families or in churches, we're going to teach today. Now, this is a training session. I don't want anyone to walk out today confused about what we have taught and what we have covered. So if any time during this morning you find yourself with a question or a concern, like, yeah, you're saying this, but what about this? Um, I want you to text it right up here. So you were going to have your phone out during service secretly. Now you can hold it out proudly. And you text to this number. Text to that number. Make the first word in your question pain. And then 
the rest of your question. And if you do that right, that number and pain is the first word, some of those responses will appear on this screen and at different times during this training session, we'll stop and make sure we're all on the same page, that we haven't lost anyone or left anyone behind. You don't wanna leave spiritual training with more bad habits than you came with. And now it's time for that spiritual discipline, that spiritual secret that unlocks the key to everything. And it is necessary pain. That is the spiritual concept for our training session this morning. Necessary pain. That between where you are and where you want to be financially, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, any illy you want, there is a wall of necessary pain that you must move through around over. Probably through. So, necessary pain is a concept. It comes to us from the key figure of our faith. That's just a 20-second warning. It's a key figure of our faith, Jesus Christ, at the key moment of his ministry on the cross, who realized there was a necessary pain for the redemption of mankind that mankind could not pay for themselves, and so he paid it. And then Jesus says to us, you must take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who will follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. You must take on necessary pain. So round two is let's look at some of these goals and get this concept. Do you want to escape an abusive relationship? You will have to go through the necessary pain of being financially unstable. I think the only reason our mom stayed with our abusive stepdad is because she was afraid we couldn't make ends meet without his paycheck. I think the reason he was invited back to the house every time we kicked him out before Christmas was so we could have Christmas presents. The necessary pain of having a Christmas with no presents while we got on our feet but were safe was more than she could take. You'll have to go through the necessary pain of depending on other people of moving in with another family and inconveniencing them. Yes, you'll inconvenience them. And anybody who wants to help you will have to go through the necessary pain of putting up with having you there. But if they want to help you and see you safe, they'll have to put up with you know, too many people fighting over the same bathroom. This is the necessary pain. Do you want to lose weight? You'll have to go through the necessary pain of moving again and your bone spurs aren't going to take it, and the no cartilage in the knees is not going to take it, and your lungs are not going to take it. You'll have to go through the necessary pain of getting the inhaler out, icing, finding things you can do. You will have to go through that necessary pain, and the necessary pain of going to counseling. This is not a physical or eating problem. This is an emotional thing that you medicate with food, and you'll have to replace all those skills with new skills. And you'll have to go through the necessary pain of finding a counselor you like and paying for it, and all of that is between you and where you want to be. If we want peace in the world, any Christian who wants peace in the world and any American who wants peace in the world will have to go through the necessary pain of realizing that we have to treat other countries differently then. Because right now we're wealthier than all of them and we're militarily stronger than all of them. And so when we make deals with them, we tend to get mostly what we want out of it. And we leave them kind of snarling at us. If we really want peace as Americans, we'll have to realize that people in other countries are people who live in other countries. And when we make different types of agreements and deals with them, we'll have to give them something and give ourselves something and sacrifice something so that they can have something and then we can truly 
live in peace. It's not something we've had to do for the last century. But if we really want peace, we'll have to go through the necessary pain of letting someone else benefit from our arrangement. If we want to live in a, well, let me, let me not do all the work. In a little bit, I'm going to ask you about what is the necessary pain someone would have to go through to continue their education, to go back to school. So you can text that in along with the questions that you may be texting in. So just text that number, pain, and then give me some ideas of what someone who is going to go back to continue their education, what necessary pain do they have to deal with. Meanwhile, I'm going to talk to you about, do you want to have well-behaved children? We have to go through the necessary pain of rewriting how we've been doing it. Necessary pain of humbling ourselves in front of some teachers or or family counselors or someone who can show us a new way. We'll have to go through the necessary pain of being sneered at by our parents and in-laws. You know, because when you try to raise your kids differently than you were raised, you ever notice your parents feel threatened by that? Like, well, we never did that. Why do you do that? We never did time out. We just smacked everybody. So, you know, it's not a threat toward them. It's just you need to do something different because your kids are different, right? Right? I'm right. I know. <laughs> uh, you'll have to go through the necessary pain of apologizing to your kids when it doesn't go right and apologizing when you go back to a new pattern. Changing something in the household is a lot of apologies as a parent. That's a humbling, necessary pain you'll have to go through. The necessary pain of a reconciled relationship involves admitting all the things that you did wrong even if they're not going to admit a thing they did. The necessary pain that you'll have to accept is you may not get the relationship back that you wanted. They may not love you ever again. You may just have to settle for, well, at least we can talk civilly now. And the necessary pain you have to go through is accepting that may be all you get. They don't have to come back to the way things were before. You hope they do. Now let's hear what you've come up with. The necessary pain of someone who's wanting to go back for their education. To go back to school, the necessary... I, shouldn't, I should read these in my head in case you put something naughty. Yeah, this is good. To, to go back to school, the necessary pain would be to spend less time with family to go to school and to spend more money to pay for it. That, that pretty well nails it. That pretty well nails it. Um, you've got to find the money, and you've got to find the time away from family, you know. I remember being in seminary and stiff-arming my kids, like, I'm writing a paper. Go, just go away for another hour. It hurts so bad giving up free nights, learning how to study again, tighter budgets due to the cost of school. Good. Well, we're in round three. In round three, we need to add something to this skill. If we stop right now, it's just like the martial arts. And Christianity is not just like the martial arts. This is not a pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstraps religion. All right. Um, I love phrases like pain is weakness leaving the body, and I love all that stuff. But it makes for terrible Christianity. Jesus said, take up my cross and follow me. But he also said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why would someone who is dying on a cross say, but my yoke is easy and my burden is light? Because he knows, oh, we're going to answer, because he knows that God the Father comes and sends his Holy Spirit to bear that burden with us and sometimes for us when we can't. So let's, you're starting back to school, right? And you have to strip your whole budget down, you know, to make all that work, go to part-time. And then you find, after about a year, somehow God provides. And you didn't have to tear your whole family budget down as much as you thought you would. 
Who already found that to be true when you went back to school? Is that already people's story? Yeah, mine as well. God comes to bear the burden with you and sometimes for you. Just in the right season, when you've ignored the kids too long, you have a series of assignments that are kind of easy. And you have the time just when you need it. This is the good news. This is the good news. So you want to... uh, Okay, I'm going to ask you in a little bit about someone who's single and wants to be married. How can God come and intervene on their behalf? Or how have you seen God intervene on the behalf of single people who wanted to be married? So start texting that in along with the questions that you're sending. And we'll look at that in a moment. Meanwhile, I'll say you want to have closeness with God. The necessary pain is that you'd have to go on a retreat like with Pastor Dan. You'd have to find $150 for the food and the rooms, and that's something. A weekend that's free, but you go to learn to pray. That's the necessary pain. But where God shows up is, and I found this often to be true, especially with people who are first trying to find closeness with him, he really honors that. It's like you just reach out a little bit to God, and he sweeps down and picks you up. And you leave the first retreat with this sensation of, was God waiting all these years for me to pick up the phone? Now, as you get older and longer in it, the relationship does change and mature. But I find at the beginning, he's very receptive. And he comes and bears this burden. He does not say, oh, you haven't talked to me for 20 years? Well, you'll just have to wait. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that to us. Do you want to see yourself staying home with your family, working less, or retiring, or this sort of thing. The necessary pain is to scale your lifestyle down to where that fits, and to change what you value, because our culture really doesn't um, treat stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads very well. You kind of get the, oh, that's nice. But then God comes and he changes One, he provides for your family in ways you couldn't imagine. Two, he changes your heart to not need all that validation from busyness and that feeling of importance you got from going somewhere else to work. You realize the importance also of what you're doing. And maybe God will send you a pastor somewhere along the way that will say, you parents who work outside the home, for this season you're doing a great thing for your family. And your parents who choose to stay at home, you are also doing a great thing for your family. There's not one of you ought to feel guilty and the other ought to feel shame. They're both right for uh, uh, certain families in certain seasons. So maybe the Lord will send you encouragement like that someday for whatever decision it is you're trying to make. Do you want to see racism overcome? You have to go through the necessary pain of rewriting our attitudes about race. In the suburbs, we tend to say things to people like, well, if everybody would just get a job, you'd have everything you want, and you wouldn't be all worked up. But the thing is, is that if you haven't seen anyone in your family, I got it, get a job or keep a job for three generations, that statement is a huge mystery. How do you do that? Where do you do that? How do you start? So what we'd have to do is we would have to come alongside a new generation of city kids and and impart these skills to them to break a generational curse. And we'd have to go through the necessary pain of 
teaching folks stuff that we were just raised with and maybe they've never seen with understanding and peace. So we're in round four. It's time to look at questions that you're having. So let's do that. What's the difference between necessary pain versus realizing you made a mistake and are outside the will of God? Realizing you made a mistake and you're outside the will of God. I imagine this maybe means like the consequences that have come upon you because of something you did that wasn't, that was sin. You know, sin isn't things that God decided were bad just to see if we'd follow him. Sin are the things he knew ahead of time would harm us. And so he told us, stay away from that. That'll, that'll bring hurt on you. I don't think they're a lot different because realizing you made a mistake is a necessary pain. To say, I did this wrong is a huge necessary. If you ever looked at the 12 steps of anything, 12 steps of narcotics, 12 steps of alcoholism, 12 steps of surviving uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, like the middle eight steps are all about five different ways, or eight different ways of realizing you have made some mistakes. So I don't think they're a lot different. I hope I answered that question. I hope I did. Are there any others? I'm not seeing them. Well, we're going to beat the Baptist to lunch then. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's stretch what's going to become round five. Okay. In round five, we're going to add another layer. We're going to add another layer. So Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Face the necessary pain that must be faced. Then he said, my yoke is light. My burden is easy. Because he knows God will come and send his spirit as we move toward him to bear these burdens with us. And sometimes when we can't, bear them for us. Then there's another layer. He says also, bear one another's burdens. He sends us community. He sends us the church. See, the cross has a vertical beam that reminds us to worship God. It also has a horizontal beam on which Jesus' hands are outstretched that says, love one another. In fact, Jesus' last prayer for his disciples and for all of us in John chapter 17, he says, and I pray, Lord, that they would all be one, just as you and I are one. I and you and you and me and I and them, but also let them be for each other and bear one another's burdens. So there's another layer in which the church and the community uh, comes around us. So you go back to that racism. We also need folks from all communities to work on this. Which is why Lakeland has no specific inner city ministry of our own. Because the last thing the inner city needs is for a bunch of people to suburbs to say, well, I never lived here a day in my life, but I know how to solve all your problems. It's just the height of arrogance. So we have the Hope Center, an actual inner city ministry with people from the community. In fact, their new executive director grew up in that community. And so he's going to be a great person for us to follow and provide whatever they say they need. So we come together as the church and do this all together, all together. You want to have friends? You have to go through the necessary pain of becoming someone who's friendly. 
who have to go through the necessary pain of becoming uh, the type of person who introduces yourself to other people instead of waiting for other people to do all the rational work and come introduce themselves to you. I'm ahead, right? Yeah. You have to, uh, you have to go through the necessary pain of uh, revealing your common interest. Because you know, friends don't come because you're so wonderful and people just want to love you. Although you are. Friends come because you have a common interest and somebody wants to do something with you. Did you know that? So you become friends because you both really enjoy talking about or doing the same thing. So if you're friends with me, you probably like to talk about Star Wars all the time. Or you like martial arts, or you like hiking. But you know what else? Uh, and this unites everybody in the room. By very nature of coming and sitting in this room, it says we all have an interest in following Jesus Christ. And around that journey, we all have, everyone in this room now has uh, the seeds of a friendship. We can be friends just around that. You could be friends with everybody in the room just around that pursuit. And that's where the community comes. God sends you people who have the same interest you have. And in the church, it happens to be an interest in growing in love and devotion to Him. So that's something that unites everyone in the church, no matter how different we all are. You want to make good grades? You have to go through the necessary pain of studying, carving out time for that, learning the skills. But then God comes and he gives you more room to put things in your brain than you thought you had. God comes, he sends you a great teacher who makes it come to life. And then God sends you the church, the community, people that can, you can study with, people who can encourage you and ask you how it's going, people who can lift the burden and say, oh, I'll look after the kids during finals week, bring them over. So you have to, yes, take up your cross and follow me. But his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we must bear one another's burdens. And this is what makes it all go. So a single person who wants to be married, what did I ask you? How God might intervene. So let's start with their necessary pain. Necessary pain for a single person wanting to get married is somewhat similar to friends. You have to become the marriable type. So you have to go through the necessary pain of things like Becoming financially stable. Paying down your debt. Getting out of your parents' basement. You may have to go through some emotional healing, especially if you were, have been married before. You've got to figure out what happened there so you don't just go do that again. I mean, even if you were abused or, uh, or, or someone was unfaithful to you, there was some part you played in the dance that let you live so long with a person like that. And I, I promise, if you don't do the necessary pain of figuring out what that was, you might just go find another person exactly like that again. You have to do the, the necessary pain of, of that work to prepare yourself to give yourself to someone else whom God may then bring. God will provide you insights into your life before. God will, uh, well, what do you think it's going to be? Are these questions or are these the things God can do? God fills their heart with peace and patience until he sends someone for them. Yes. Yes. Being alone is such an aching, longing feeling. But God can come and make that burden easier. He just changes your heart and attitude about it. I remember for four years not dating anyone. That's, that was quite a dry spell. 
And finally, finally, I just prayed one morning, Lord, I don't care. Looks, money, education, I don't care. I don't care. Just send me someone who will love me and who loves you. He must have been waiting for that for four years because then I met Ashley like three days after I prayed that. So I wish I had prayed that sooner. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and then he sends you the church community. And you know what? Friends don't fill that hole, but they, they make it more bearable. A friend can't fill all the loneliness that a, a love can, but they can do some. J.R.R. Tolkien said, good friends compensate for much that may be missing in life. Good friends compensate for much that may be missing in life. Certain hours of the day, they can't be there, and it's harder, but good friends in the church can do a lot more than you, can, you, you might think. A lot more than you may think. Let's talk about Waiting on God. Waiting on God. The necessary pain of letting go of control. I have no idea where we are now because I got ahead that one round, so we'll just do a little more and wrap up. (laughs) To give something to God and then not just keep snatching it back. Remember the story of Abraham where God said, I promise to give you a descendant, and Abraham said, good, and then he went and got some slave girl and married her and had a kid with her because he just couldn't let God really have it. He kept taking it back. So you have to go through the necessary pain of giving it and then letting it go and letting it sit over there while it just makes you crazy not to be doing something about it. Some of our personality types, we just feel like we have to be doing something all the time. But then God comes and he sends us little graces Things that show us he's at work, even if he hasn't answered our prayer yet. Little things that tell us we can wait. He sends us to church to be with us and people that are praying for us and supporting us and people that remind us of things. Um, I was once waiting for the Lord to do something and I said, oh, it's gone on so long. And somebody in my small group said, well, how long has it been? Oh, three weeks. (laughs) Seemed like a really long time, but I guess it's just been three weeks, so I guess I'll stop whining. Um, you know, the people, friends in the church can be there to walk this road with us. Forgiving, let's do forgiving and being forgiven, and that'll be the last one we walk through together. The necessary pain of being forgiven is to confess everything you've done, not just the things you were caught and to put yourself at the person's mercy that they may not forgive you. You don't ask to be forgiven as a way of controlling someone else. You've missed the point. You give them the freedom not to forgive you. That's a necessary pain to humble yourself, and it may all be for nothing. Then God comes in, and sometimes he prepares their heart to hear what you have to say. And he sends you ways to teach you how to confess cleanly in a way that's not more offensive than if you had just kept your mouth shut. The Lord can teach you what a, how a real confession sounds. And he sends you the community to encourage you. Conversations you can have. Sometimes I advise people uh, not to ask to be forgiven. 
uh, rather to forgive themselves because it would put them in greater danger and greater destruction than if they just leave it alone because it was something really bad and it's gone on a long time and the other person's not stable. So you can have the church to help you navigate this. So yes, take up your cross and follow Jesus. It is the only way to get to where you're going. But know that God comes and sends his spirit because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we bear one another's burdens in the church. Now, wherever we are in the round timer, I'm going to go to the last round and say that some of you, having now heard the spiritual secret that unlocks the key to everything, still won't do it. You still won't do it. And it's not, it's not because you're too lazy. And it's not because you're too squeamish or weak and you can't handle the necessary pain. That's not what the problem is. The problem is that you don't think you're worth it. Whether it's right out here and you say it to yourself in the mirror every day or it's deep down inside, somewhere you don't think you're worth all this trouble. So why go through this necessary pain? Because it's not going to get any better anyway. And God is certainly not going to come help me because God wouldn't help someone like me. And no one in the church is going to come alongside me because if they really knew, they wouldn't love me or want to be anything to do with me. So three times, at three levels, we tell ourselves, there's no point because I'm not worth it. For that, you have to go back to our very first round of training, the cross of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying, you are worth it. You are worth it. He's bleeding and dying for you. If you were the last person on this earth, he would do that for you. The whole point of Christ on the cross is him saying, I will do anything to bring you home to God, to bring you into the person he made you to be. Look, I'm doing it right now. Even those guys who were nailing him to the cross, Jesus was praying while they're nailing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know they're attacking the Son of God. They don't know they're revealing their own evil. They don't know they're ruining the thing that has come to save the world. God, they don't know. I die for them too. Forgive them too. This is the good news. This is why we call the gospel good news. Have you ever wondered why someone dying on the cross is good news? The dying is not the good news. It's that he wanted to. He said he wanted to. He knew it would be horrible and a necessary pain. He said, Lord, if there's any other way for this to happen, you know, do that. But if not, your will be done. I will do this. And the good news is the raising and the good news of the coming of the Holy Spirit so that we can all follow Christ on this journey that he wants us to follow him on because we are worth it. That necessary pain ahead of you is going to shape you. It's going to change you. And you're going to see the glory of God when at the key moment, when you think you can't bear it, he comes and bears it with you and sometimes for you. 
And then you have brothers and sisters who love and accept you and have, they know your whole story and they still walk beside you. And you bear one another's burdens and we become the church. And there's nowhere we can't go with this spiritual truth. So let's begin the new year with uh, a cool down here of spiritual silence to reflect on whatever it is your goal is. Think in your head about the necessary pain between you and that goal. Pray for God's assistance to come bear the burden with you and for brothers and sisters who'll come bear it with you. And uh, we don't need a round timer for this. We'll be done with that. Uh, let us have then a moment of silence. Amen. Amen. Well, let us stand together. Next week, we're beginning a new series. Uh, some time ago, you all sent in questions that you wanted to hear addressed on a Sunday, and we just took the four most numerous questions, and we'll start with the most numerous. You asked many times, many of you, uh, why, how can a good God allow suffering and evil, especially upon innocence, in the world? That's a tough one. It's an age-old question, and, but we're going to tackle that next Sunday. So if you have that question or you know someone who does, you might have a conversation this week, see if they'd want to be here with you for that. And now for the benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into these doors. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.